Welcome, everybody. This is For the Love of Money, where we are making you unapologetic about your pursuit of success by sharing the tools, tips, and stories of those who have already made it. My name is Chris Harder, and each week I will bring you incredible guests in order to prove that when good people make good money, they do great things. Hey, everybody, welcome back to another amazing episode of For the Love of Money. I am out of my mind excited today because I get to sit down with a friend of mine, somebody who is in a mastermind with me named Destiny Berman. Now, Destiny is literally this online launch expert. If you have a product that you're going to launch online, you partner with her and she makes sure that it is a smashing six-figure or seven-figure launch. Yes, seven-figure launches online. So let's say that you had some kind of online coaching product. And you had a little mailing list, a little email list, and you were willing to spend a little bit of money on Facebook ads. She helps come up with the plan that turns that thing into a million-dollar idea. So I'm so excited to sit down and pick her brain on this. Now, I met her in our mastermind, and that shows you the importance of who you meet and who you collaborate with in masterminds. So keep in mind that I am building the waiting list for my 2019 mastermind. And you might hear 2019 and be like, oh my gosh, it seems so far away except we're only a few months away from when I'm going to start looking through these applications in the order that they come in and see who is going to be a great fit for this mastermind family and who is not going to necessarily be a fit for 2019. So to get your name in the ring, so to speak, go to forthelovemoney.com forward slash mastermind. Again, that is forthelovemoney.com forward slash mastermind. Check out all of the information there. And if you think it's for you, go ahead and click apply. Don't second guess it. Don't think you're not worthy. I know, I remember having those feelings when I joined the mastermind. Don't think that you won't belong. Just click apply, fill it out, and we will have a conversation about 2019 and what it might look like for you to be a part of this epic tribe. So I'm about to sit down and have the best conversation ever with Destiny Berman. And like I said earlier, she's an online launch manager. She's going to take your product She's going to help you put it online and make a ton of money with it. And we have a great conversation about why people should be doing this. Like if you're a one-on-one -on -one coach and you're good at improving lives, why wouldn't you bring that online and help that many more lives? But her story first is going to blow your mind. She talks about how being born in a refugee camp and having immigrant entrepreneurial parents made her the rock star that she is today. And we talk about why the spiritual coaching community, because that's who she really specializes in, seems to have this common thread of limiting beliefs around money mindset and how to get past them. So that goes for any entrepreneur that has limiting beliefs around that. We talk about the do's and don'ts of successful online launches, and then we just end up with this great conversation about balancing parenthood and your ambitions to be an incredible entrepreneur and how you have to become unapologetic about wanting it all and why you should. So you're gonna absolutely love the information that Destiny shares. You're gonna absolutely love everything we talk about. Get ready, take some notes. This is one of those episodes that could change everything for you. All right, Destiny, I am so excited to have you on. How you doing? I'm good, hi Chris. So um, the way I typically start my show is kind of a fun little way for my listeners to get to know you in a hurry. Kind of picks up the pace, it sets the tone, and that is rapid fire questions. So, are you down? Yes, I'm Perfect. In. If there's anything great, don't worry, we'll circle back to it. Sounds good. All right, so we're gonna start real easy. 
Where'd you grow up? Um, I grew up in Orange County, Southern California. I was born in a refugee camp in Thailand. Uh, my parents came to the States when I was a year old, and I'm a Southern California girl. <laughs> wow. I just learned something about you, that you were born in a refugee camp in Thailand. That's amazing. Yeah. We're definitely going to have to circle back to that. Okay. And where do you live now? San Francisco. San so Francisco. I right. went to Berkeley, went to school up here, and got sucked into the Silicon Valley tech world. And here we are. And what is your favorite quote? Oh, favorite quote. Oh, my goodness. Um, I, oh, boy. I can keep you on your toes. <laughs> I can't say I have one off the top of my head. Um, a phrase or a quote that I like to say is, it's always about progress, not perfection. I'm not sure where that one came from, but that's something that I use all the time. Ooh, that is pretty freeing for people, actually. That's a great quote. What is one of your superpowers? One of my superpowers is really getting people to shift perspective, right? So really being able to say, oh, I could have looked at that differently and having it be true for them. Um, and I see that just with a lot of folks I'm around and people that I work with. Oh, we're totally going to visit that when it comes to money mindset and some of the people you work with. What is one of your all-time favorite books? Um, I don't have just one because if you look at my library, there's a million astrology books, uh, believe it or not. But right now I'm reading Sacred Success by Barbara Stanny, and that's an amazing book. Um, and so right now I'm just really thriving that. I have A Course in Miracles sitting next to my bed. So I hate picking one, but my current love is um, Sacred Success. Do you read a couple books at a time? I, I do. <laughs> I know. I do too. I've always got two going at one time. I love it. A <laughs> couple more questions. What is one thing you're afraid of right now? Afraid of, you know, it's always around the next level expansion, right? So there's a lot of growth going in personally, business wise. I'm a mom. I've got a 20 month old toddler boy. He's growing a lot. And it's just always moving into that next level of change or expanding and just not quite knowing where things land and fall. Um, so that's, that's what I'm feeling up against um, most recently. I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that. And who is somebody who has changed your life? Changed my life? Um, well, I have a lot of mentors. I have business mentors. Um, I would say I have a therapist who I've been working with for years. Um, she's really amazing. And she really gets in there with me. So it sounds non-sexy, um, and, but she knows me very well. She's guided me through being a mom, being a businesswoman, and she's really seen, uh, where things have gone and still going. So she's, she's been a master influencer. Oh, me. how important. What is one of your all time favorite accomplishments this far? All time favorite accomplishments. Um, I would say <laughs> you're going to laugh at me, but, um, my boy came four weeks, uh, before he was due. I was in the middle of running all these client launches. Um, things were scheduled to end two weeks before his due date. And I had a natural birth and he arrived and um, on a Friday and I got on calls Monday to wrap my launches and then I took a month off. Oh my gosh, that's, I wouldn't laugh at that. That's just badass. See, that's what separates all of the women entrepreneurs from the men entrepreneurs. We get a cold and we're like, oh, we need the week off. You're like, I'm having a baby. It's going to be a natural childbirth. I'll be back to work in 48 hours. Like it is, you guys, seriously, we need to learn a thing or two from you. All right, a couple <laughs> last rapid fire questions here. One regret you have. I wish I partied more when I was in college. <laughs> oh, really? We might absolutely have to circle back to that one. And what is something generous you've done recently? Generous. 
Um, one of uh, one of our close friends, he's going through a lot of um, personal changes and whatnot with his family. And for me, it was I don't always take the time to reach out, and I did take the time to reach out and to really hold space for him. And that was something that felt that felt good and true and sincere. Oh, I love that because our time is literally our most valuable asset. And so when you hold space for somebody and reach out, especially when you're busy like you are right now. That's one of the best, most generous gifts you can possibly give. Okay, let's go a little bit deeper into the interview. And don't worry, I'm definitely circling back to a couple of those things. But I kind of want to start with how in the world you ended up as an online launch expert. Because I know that you came from this corporate America-ish tech space. And you know, you're up there in Silicon Valley. And that feels to me like the opposite <laughs> of an online launch expert, especially for people in the spiritual world. Yes. Okay, great. Love this question, and I'm going to do my best to keep this um, to the point. No, nah, so, don't hold back. <laughs> so San Francisco, Silicon Valley, um, I ended up running media campaigns. So, for example, I launched Sephora's Beauty Insider before it, it went into the uh, stores as an online for a friend program. And I was doing a lot of marketing, and this was even before Facebook became Facebook and what social media marketing is today. So I was running all these marketing campaigns. I was leading teams. Most recently, I was at a company called um, Eloqua. We were acquired by Oracle, and that really was a marketing automation company for B2B. So that's really where I learned lead scoring and nurturing and all that fancy modern marketing stuff. And all that was great, and I and I did well. Um, it just it kind of got to a point where along the same veins for that same 14 or 15 years, I've always been a very deep spiritual practitioner. And growing up, you know, from a Cambodian Chinese household, you know, reincarnation and past lives and just working with all of that was very second nature. I got into studying astrology, Western systems. And so that's been a very deep part of my life. And thankfully, in San Francisco, we've always had an acceptance of a bit of the taboo, a bit of the under the radar uh, healing practices. But I felt that something was still missing for me in terms of my day-to-day -day career and profession. And that would have gone a totally different route. You know, I would have been, you know, it just would have been very different. But at the same time, I just wasn't, there was just a part of me that wanted to be the entrepreneur. My parents were entrepreneurs being immigrants. And there was a part of me that just felt like that was so true. And, you know, the timing of the universe works, right? So we have the online education space exploding. And that was really amazing. And I saw an opportunity where yoga teachers and healers were still not only learning online marketing, there's just this whole vast, vast um, space to really be launching online schools and online systems and platforms that you can learn astrology and tarot and oracle cards. And that's how I merged the two together. And I knew I was on path because I, you know, I landed amazing clients right away. It's been four years and we've just driven, you know, thousands of students, multiple six to seven figures in revenue. Like we've just, it's really been amazing to see. And that's kind of what I've always felt like guided me right between the soul listening, the universe supporting, and it all coming together with just opportunity and the timing. That's amazing. And I want to go back to the part where you said your parents, um, they had you when they were in a refugee camp. You were born in a refugee camp in Thailand. They brought yeah. you to the U.S. when you were one years old. Is that right? Yes, that's okay. right. And you said that when they got here, they're entrepreneur immigrants. Tell me, what did they do? What type of um, <laughs> entrepreneurs were they? And how did that rub off on you? Oh, goodness. Um, <laughs> so my 
So my parents combined probably had three years of schooling in Cambodia. They just didn't have an established school system. But my dad was always an entrepreneur. He was he was dealing with uh, precious stones, and my grandmother was running like a cafe. And so um, when they came over here, they had to learn English pretty much right away. And my dad started out delivering pizza. But um, he then got into working into this janitorial business, and then within a year he took over and brought the and he bought the business, and they got into network marketing. And my mom's, you know, owned a house cleaning business in Orange County, so they've done many, many different things. And the lesson that's always been uh, pulled through there is, look, you're not, you know, given that we were immigrants and given that we had to climb the ladder, we couldn't do the corporate ladder. And so the way into freedom and more power is through entrepreneurship. And so from day one, I was always working in my parents' businesses and helping them. And it just kind of was in my blood. Mm, I love that. So I had a guest on once, a friend of mine named Bedros. And he, his parents were um, immigrant entrepreneurs as well. And they rubbed off on him the same way. What do you think is like the best trait they gave you that helps you succeed now? That anything is possible and that nothing can really be in the way. I mean, you just figure it out. You know, I mean, I see what my parents have figured out and what you just move through. And I don't really see anything as a challenge. I mean, it could be a temporary challenge, but you work through it and you figure it out. And there's always some type of solution or possibility on the other side of it. So you never know where the show is going to go. And, and I want to ask you one more question on this. You hear a lot about immigrants in news right now. And one of the other things that Bedros had talked about was the immigrant edge, how when they come to the U.S., they haven't grown up, I'm, I'm just going to say it, as spoiled with these cushy lives that a lot of people born in the U.S. are given. And so they have this edge, right, this, this sharpness, this uh, chip on the shoulder and this ability to do more and go further than your average person who was born here. How do you feel about this idea of an immigrant edge? And, you know, is it real and is it valuable? Oh, boy. <laughs> so I have two younger brothers. Um, and to answer your question, it's it's interesting because I think that it, it also does relate to your own um, ambitions and your own inner world and your blueprint and whatever you came to this world. So, yes, I do believe that you can have an immigrant ed uh, edge. I have two younger brothers who are a lot younger than me who don't seem to, you know, care so much about creating massive businesses and whatnot, and they're not necessarily in business for themselves. I have a cousin who is 11 months younger than me who uh, grew up in very similar circumstances and got a full scholarship to Stanford. So, you know, I've kind of seen the range, right? And so um, I believe there is an edge, but there's also other influencing factors and it's something that I think about, you know, I'm raising my son. We live in a very nice place in San Francisco and I want to give him all the comforts and the luxuries of life. And, you know, his parents have, I think, pretty good taste. <laughs> and so I'm trying to find that balance as well in terms of the lessons and the teaching between what you're talking about with the edge, but also giving him opportunity and access that I didn't have. Mm, okay. So I know he's only what, 20 months old, you said? Yes. Okay. Yes. Here's something we talk about on the show a lot. Like I said, you never know where the show's going. Um, <laughs> obviously, the show deals a lot with money mindset and you know people's view and how they view money. How do you want your son to view money growing up? And, and here's why this is a very special question for you. Lori and I talk about this all the time. As you know, we don't have kids yet, but we're going to. And we're going to be raising our kids in extreme privilege, just like you are. I mean, to have a nice place in San Fran is like the top of the top of the top of the top. So how do you want them to view money growing up when they grow up in privilege? Yes. Okay, great. 
Good question. Um, I'm sure this may change in three, five, ten years. But uh, what I've come to realize is one, um, you know, I've had to do a lot of work on my money story because growing up in poverty and then, you know, parents learning how to manage money and just going through a lot of changes and whatnot, I've had to do a lot of work on this. And so when I look at Jacob, I want him to have the comforts and the stability that I didn't have and the luxuries of life, of course, and to get a private education and to really give him a shot at opportunities and a life that, you know, maybe I would have had it if I grew up in different circumstances. At the same time, it's really important for him to learn what he really likes in terms of genuine preferences and desires and not be so concerned about looking good and needing money to prove yourself worth. That's a theme that always comes up and um, really understanding for himself. And I use astrology. I'm obviously using astrology to track his chart and his growth to really find out what his worth is based on intrinsic value, based on his personal preferences. And they're really deciding for himself. This is what I love. And, you know, will he be getting exposed to travel in other countries that maybe aren't as fortunate? Absolutely. And for him to really take that in and for him to say, this is who I am. This is the kind of life I want and to be able to go out and get it. And yes, money is a component of that, but it's not everything. Um, and when you grow up in poverty, it can become everything. Right. So you kind of see both sides of it. You mentioned your money story. And you said that you had one money story growing up and you did a lot of work on it. So what was your money story growing up and what is your money story that you choose now? Yeah. So one, that money, you have to work very, very hard for your money. and You have to work hard to make a lot of money, right? So that was something that I really had to work through. Yes, absolutely. We all work hard. Um, but just growing up with, um, just a lot of intensity in the childhood and parents really trying to figure it out and going through post-trauma from the wars and whatnot, really healing a lot of that within both my body, both my energetic body. And so um, moving through that and that my self-worth isn't tied to the amount of money that I have. And then I've learned, okay, these are the tastes that I really care about. These are my genuine des desires. And this is the type of life that I really want to have and that I can go about and have the power to receive that without it being resistance every step of the way. And that is not tied to my intrinsic self-worth. So would you say that you're pretty unapologetic about liking nice things? <laughs> about certain nice things. Yes. I care about the beautiful home. I care about, and actually Larry and I talked about this briefly. I care about the beautiful kitchens. And um, so that I'm very, very unapologetic about. I care about nice service. You know, I like, I like, really nice places to stay at that say yes to everything. <laughs> I love that. I applaud that, by the way. And you had to do a lot of work to get there, didn't you? I did. I I'm did. I'm proud of you. That is awesome. So let's mm -hmm. shift gears a little bit. And it's kind of shifting gears, but it's kind of not shifting gears. So you've helped some of the world's leading spiritual teachers bring their life's work online, right? So picture like spiritual coaches and yoga teachers and, and everyone who kind of falls into that spiritual expert world. Yeah. Now, here's the thing I've noticed about spiritual leaders. They want to help everybody, but as a common thread, and I hate to draw common threads, but I'm going to here, mm. I've also noticed that they seem to have difficulty transcending their limiting beliefs around money, and they hold each other back because of this as a community. What yes. do you think of this, and have you seen it too? Yes. So absolutely, I see this across the board, and to your point around wanting to help everyone, there is this deep generosity around wanting to help healing and growth. 
So there is just this wanting to give and give and give, which, okay, great. And then on the flip side, I do see that there is still a maturing of the industry in terms of professionalism and really making it into a business. So for example, I work with astrologers and, um, you know, I work with recce masters. And so there is that business part of the brain and learning how to put systems and treating it like a business and running profits and really looking at the numbers that I think really uh, has to come together. So there's a giving of the heart and we've got the whole receptive loving side. And then there's a whole expressive perceptive side that needs to really connect um, so that there can be a business around the heart, right? So 90% of the people that listen to the show are entrepreneurs. I would say two thirds are women. I would say there's a huge contingency of people that would place themselves in the spiritual entrepreneur world. What's your advice for them to get past these limiting beliefs? Yes. Well, um, for better or worse, there's not just one, uh, there's not just one answer and it is a process, but, um, I would say step number one is, um, really checking in with yourself to see, you know, it, am I really, is there a willingness to really look at this? Is there a willing, uh, is there a true willingness to step beyond this? Because I also come across folks that, you know, sometimes, you know, you do want to expand and whatnot, but if there's a lot of resistance um, in the way, it can be hard to move past that. So one is your willingness. Two, I highly recommend having support and mentors, uh, whether it be therapy, whether it be other spiritual teachers. I like the combination of both. And typically I find that to work very well, working with your psychology and working with your spiritual growth from an energetic standpoint, from whether it be past lives or tapping into other dimensions, all that comes together very well. And then the third thing is taking action. And it can't seem like small steps, but you know, even increasing the increasing the price of your next program or your next coaching package, even just by little, because you're clear on the value, that makes a big difference. And these little steps that have confirmation from the world, when you increase your pricing and people still sign up and more people sign up, that's what gives you the confidence to say, okay, this is real. There is something here and I can really move forward with this. Mm, I love it. Now, as an expert that helps people bring their life's work online, who should be doing this? Who should be doing this? I think everyone, um, healers of all types. Um, I love, you know, teachers in the esoteric space, whether you're um, astrologers or tarot or oracle cards. I believe that everyone should, one, be going online and establishing an online presence. And I, you know, I don't like the word should. It's just that even for folks who have a full business from, from referrals, right? Your one on one sessions, your one on one clients are booked, and that's amazing. At some point, you're going to want to teach or you're going to want to reach more people. And there's all these people around the world that could have access to your work if there was an online presence and a close-knit community that can be created within this online world and this online tribe. And then eventually you're launching you know, online programs and schools that can truly scale and leverage your wisdom and really just be having everyone around the world taking a part of this. And you're lighting up consciousness all around the globe in different ways. Imagine actually how amazing this world would be if everybody lived up to following through through with this. Yes, yes. It'd be insane. True. Like we could fix almost everything. So why aren't more people doing this? What do you see holds them back the most? The most common things that come up are tech, right? So there is this feeling of having to go back and becoming a toddler again and learning tech. Um, That's me, to, by the way. 
Really? I'm surprised. Oh my God. I'm so tech stupid. It's crazy. That's why I just hire it out. I don't believe that, but, <laughs> but the good news is, you know, I, you know, I just haven't been in this space. Tech has frankly never been so streamlined and easy. And yes, there's never been so, you know, there's never been as many virtual assistants we have existing in the world to, today to support. There's, I mean, the video webinar technology has never been this accessible. Not that long ago, we didn't even have Stripe. PayPal is just universal now. I mean, it's crazy compared to even seven, eight years ago, how easy it is to get online. But there's tech overwhelm. I think that, you know, I work primarily mostly with most women spiritual business owners, and there's a fear of visibility that comes up, right? So there is this thing of going online, feeling out of control because you don't know who's going to see you at what time of day. And there's this there's a lot of internal stuff that gets triggered there. And then there's um, dealing with confidence and really stepping into your power and saying, look, I am a light worker. I am a spiritual teacher. And when you're saying it to so many people, there is just claiming a power that, um, that you, there is a claiming, there's a level of claiming your power in a way that you didn't have to do before in maybe like a smaller live environment. Now, one of the areas that you totally are an expert in is actually helping people craft a successful online launch, right? Because they're like, I built my e-course, I built my mastermind, I built my whatever, and now they have to launch it. So yeah. what should people know about having a successful online launch? What are two or three tips? Okay, great. Um, so let's see. So it depends on where you're at, of course, with your launch and with your audience size and whether you're just getting online for the first time or not. Um, but it's it's very important to always be simultaneously growing your email list and growing your audience um, in terms of people who are following you on social and your video views and whatnot, as it is for nurturing. And I think a lot of people miss the nurturing piece. So they may do a launch, then they're focused on the next launch. And some folks even get so paralyzed with product development that they forget they need to be growing their audience and they need to be nurturing. And that means weekly connection, if not more, um, with your people so that you're establishing that visibility and you're establishing that authentic connection with them. Um, so really it's two things that have to be happening all at once. Some people are always talking about the size of your email list, but I don't hear the conversation around, well, how many times am I really connecting with my people? And then some folks are so tied up in product development that they completely forget those two pillars. Is your email list everything? Yes and no, right? I mean, you want engaged people. You want the right people on your list who really care about your work and are interested in it. Um, and so to a degree it is because that's how you're staying in contact with people. But um, the type of communication, the type of content you're putting out there is just as important, in my opinion. So what size email list should somebody have before they start a online launch? Oh, my goodness. That is a tricky question. <laughs> right? I know. Or better yet, like... If your list is X, how much should you expect to make or convert? Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, I don't mean to be elusive, but I've just seen a range <laughs> of everything. So for example, if you are doing, um, so let's say you're earlier stage in terms of getting online. Um, if you're doing a pilot launch, you don't even really need an email list because you can manually reach out to people, get people into the pilot launch, get that going and be building up your list. Now, typically students in my course have several thousand because they are, just ramping up and just starting to figure out how to do the online uh, launches and whatnot. And then, you know, I have, you know, my private clients are, you know, anywhere from 50, 100,000 or more, and we're doing really nice launches, right? Now, I've done high 
high to mid six figure launches with email list size of 20,000. I have oh, done wow. um, because they have, they're really engaged. And these are folks that have come from years of doing live workshops and festivals versus, you know, just buying all the leads on emails, you know, as an example. And then I've even done seven figures in revenue with email list size of 80 to hundred thousand. So I've kind of seen the whole range and I see people do very, very well with five to 10,000 if they're a very close knit community. So people that need to build a list, I mean, a lot of people listen to this show, they're kind of in that stage where they're just starting to build a list right now. Any tips on a really effective way? I know it's always changing. Yes. Um, well, I love ads, right? I do love Facebook ads. I do love Instagram ads. Um, webinars as a tool, as a way to grow your list is very effective because I like to tell my students and clients webinars are really essentially online events, right? So, so when you mean you teach something you're an expert at for free, but they have to register for the webinar? Exactly. Exactly. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for that clarification. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. So webinars, Facebook ads, like for freebies or what? Uh, Facebook ads with, yes, for freebies with like a lead magnets, with like a PDF, a guide. Um, I Instagram ads also work very well. I typically am rolling out ads on Facebook and on Instagram, um, webinars, um, for the, for the free workshop. I feel like those are a bit of the foundation. And then of course you can always be adding more like you're driving video views and live streaming, but webinars and freebies are great lead building, uh, great lead building tools to start. Okay. So we've given everybody like, here's how to have a good launch. Here's how to build an email list. What are the biggest mistakes to avoid? Not nurturing enough. I think that not talking to your audience, whether on social or emails, that's a big, big miss. Um, this is a little bit of a, <laughs> some marketers don't like this strategy. Um, I, I will hold webinars where we're not selling anything and it's truly content based. Um, you know, we'll have them follow us on Instagram or even just get on a wait list afterwards, but we're truly not selling anything. And I think that people make the mistake of not focused on giving a lot of value. They get too afraid of giving away too much content. And I just don't think that, especially in this space, like many folks are just, I mean, they're content queens. There's so much content. And so being too afraid of giving out high value free content along the way, I think that's a big mistake as well. Mm, I love that. I actually haven't heard of somebody, you know, give the clear advice of have a webinar, give content and actually don't have a single sale at the end. Cause typically here's how it goes. Hey, come to my free seven steps to this. And at the end you're selling them, you know, here's your limited time, 24 hours to take it, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But you're saying straight up, have them register for a webinar and just add value for once with no sale at the end. That's correct. Now, again, this is a bit of a tricky subject because yeah, but I like it. <laughs> well, some marketers have said to me, look, you're leaving money on the table and whatnot. And I said, but that's not the point. And, you know, for example, with astrology, we have these really cool webinars that are themed around what's going on in the sky. We're not selling them anything, but you can ask my Facebook ads manager. I mean, our ROI is off the charts. Mm, I love this. Actually, I'm going to try doing that. I'm going to start <laughs> doing that. And I'm not even kidding. I'm going to have Lori do it too. Awesome. <laughs> so I know I've seen somewhere, I forget if it was a blog of yours or something, but you can literally help people double their online exposure. Any tips around that that we haven't talked about? Because that's, here's what I get. How do I grow my Instagram? How do I grow my list? How do I, like, mm -hmm. it's the number one question out there. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. So number one is to be consistent. Um, so if you've committed to doing a weekly live streaming or you're committed to doing monthly webinars, whether they're sales or content, to be super consistent so that your community knows what to expect from you. 
And even though it seems, sometimes it seems like a lot of work and it requires more patience, I've seen that grown and double list size. Of course, you know, we're running ads and whatnot, but that has grown list sizes so much because people know they can count on you. And that's building brand, that's building trust. So number one, to be consistent. Number two is if you can get to a point where you're always running ads, you know, people like to turn on and off ad campaigns, especially when they're heading into a launch, they ramp it up, they close cart, and then they're done. I like to keep ad campaigns going on, especially once you've, get, once you've proven to yourself that this model works for you. Um, I like to keep it on all the time, whether it be driving video views and just keep it humming so that you're always top of mind. And again, that also ties to consistency. So I like consistency. I like ongoing. And as long as you're stacking your products right in terms of your flagship course and your evergreen course, all those numbers come and they all tie together in terms of reach and your revenue. And it all works out very well. I mean, my clients have insanely high profitability because we're always nurturing, we're giving, we're consistent, and they were building and doubling. I mean, it's it's not uncommon. I hate to say this, but it's not uncommon. Like, it's not uncommon for us to be doubling our launches, several launches in a row. Ooh, that is awesome. Actually, that's like the best news ever. Who is your best client, by the way? You keep mentioning my clients do this, my clients do that. Like, who should come to you? Who should come to me? Um. Okay, well, more general are spiritual business owners. You could be a yoga teacher. You could be a recce master. You could be an astrologer who have an established offline business. So people ask me all the time, what if I'm just starting my business? Mm, you know, in order to be building online presence, yes, that helps with feeling your startup business. But for me, I'm working with people. My students are people who've been teaching. It could be three years. It could be five years. But they're teaching. They know what they're teaching. They've been honing their craft for some time now. And now they're ready to go online, either to scale or to build an online presence to fill their live retreats and their workshops. Like that's essentially the crux of it. And they come and we work together either in group form or one-on-one. And it's really sweet. It's really amazing to see. I love that. Before I ask you the last couple of questions here, where can we find you? Like how can people get a hold of your stuff, see your stuff, et cetera? Yes. So Instagram is really the place to be. I love Instagram and I, um, just recently with the new products that I've been rolling up and really focused on growing my Instagram presence. So Desperman is where you can find me. I will be releasing a free training in the next coming weeks and you'll find that and learn about that on Instagram. You can message me on Instagram. So that's really the best way to connect with me at this time. Um, and then of course, if you go to my website, destinyberman.com, that's great too. But Instagram is really the place to be right now. Yeah. And we'll make sure that we put the links in the show notes as well. Cause I think you have some really cool things, some guides, free guides, right? Yes. Yes, I do. Very I cool. Guide. Yeah. <laughs> so here's a question I always ask everyone, cause you know, this show is about generosity. It's about money mindset. It's about abundance, all that good stuff. And I'd love to inspire people by mm. showing what other successful individuals have done to give back. So my question is this, what is one of your all-time favorite moments of giving? All-time favorites. Oh, boy. <laughs> I know. It's hard to like be at the tip of your tongue. I'll even let you think about it a little bit. Okay. All-time favorite moments of giving back. Well, um, let's see. When I was, I think for me, it's really how I've given back to my friends who have become moms as well. So, um, for example, I have friends who all recently, we all had kids around the same time and, you know, as they were going back to work and some of them were starting business and, and whatnot, for example, I'm, I'm thinking one in particular where I was sending her a lot of clients or one was setting up a, um, coaching business in the transformational space. 
and I was giving her a lot of my marketing expertise, which, you know, I charge a lot of, you know, within, within my work. And I set up these group meetings where they would come to me. And essentially I was creating this community within our space. And these are all very, very dear friends of mine where I am also teaching them how to balance motherhood with entrepreneurship. So it's not exactly one specific thing. I'm thinking of a series of moments that happened after we became moms and we kind of moved out of the insanity of it in the eight, eight to 12 months post being post becoming a mom. I just remember all these friends reaching out to me, wanting help on business advice while also being a mom. Mm, let's go there a minute because that comes up on the show a lot. Oh, and I'm not a parent yet. And I'm definitely not a mom. What advice do you have? Cause I actually get messaged this question all the time. Like, you know, what really? can we do? I've got a baby that's 12 months old, you know, 24 months old. I got a toddler, whatever. What tips do people have to make that work? So one, you have to give yourself the permission. So if, if you're clear with yourself and you're saying, okay, I want to, obviously I want to be an amazing mom, but I also want to have a business. I think step number one is what I see with moms and business owners is that they are trying to do too much and they're trying to do everything all at once. So you can't be the mom who's making all the meals, the gourmet meals while still running a business. And you're going to have to choose the key priority. So for me, um, we have a great nanny, my husband, he's, we're modern parents <laughs> and we've established our boundaries and our standards and our expectations of each other and what we want and love from each other. So, you know, I have to accept that I can't be with Jacob eight hours a day for X number of days a week, because I also want a thriving business and I believe in my business and I believe in my mission, but I have to really don't deal with that. And there was some sadness and some me judging myself, you know, am I, is this really the right thing to do? I took a month off after I had Jacob and I did part-time for a while, but I really had to make some clear, strong decisions. And so for other moms out there, it's really about getting clear on what is it that you want and two, giving yourself the permission to do it. And then the third step is building the structures around it. So whether it be getting a part-time nanny or a full-time nanny, or, you know, you have to set up your home office a certain way so that you can work four hours at a time instead of getting interrupted. Right. So those are the more tactical things that you need to address after the first two. I mean, what you just said is so important. The fact that you give per, you're giving yourself permission to choose and make your career as important as your child. And that's what I feel like where I hear people get hung up. Like they feel like that's taboo. Mm -hmm. That's right. That's right. Now, you know, I just have to put a plug in for astrology here because if you use your astrology chart, it does help with giving yourself permission. And I knew from very early on that I had just as much of a happiness factor as a mom and as an entrepreneur or career. So, um, that helped me get permission, but I also had to really go there myself. So yes, absolutely. I feel like there's a lot of, whether it be inherited, cultural, lineage, ancestral, there's a lot of that where we fight our guilt and we don't give ourselves that claim. Like, this is what I want. I can have a seven multiple seven figure business and be a thriving, loving mom at the same time. And we have to make those choices, you know, and it's not necessarily compromising and really setting it up but having clear boundaries and saying, this is how I'm doing it. And I know I'm being a good mom. So good. I want to talk about boundaries too. Sorry, we keep going left, right, left, right. But this is such good stuff. Lori and I work together. So we've had to establish rules and boundaries and we're both entrepreneurs. 
Um, I'm not sure what the dynamic is in terms of careers for you and your husband, but you brought up that you had to set clear boundaries in the beginning to make this a success. What were some of those boundaries and how did you establish that communication? Oh my goodness. So first off, if you had met me two years ago, I was working on the weekend, you know, not not the entire weekend, but I had no boundaries around responding to emails at nighttime, responding to emails on the weekends. And once Jacob came and it was like, okay, weekends are family time. You know, my husband, he runs marketing at, at Adobe for creative prop, for creative cloud. And so he's got a full on uh, career and he works Monday through Friday. Now I'm not saying we don't check emails on the weekends every now and then, but it's pretty clear that weekends are family time. And we have to really have boundaries and have integrity around, okay, so these are our date nights. You know, when we come home, this is when we put Jacob to bed. After he goes to bed, you know, what do we do? There's a lot more planning and holding to structure, but I've had to put boundaries around it. And what I've noticed is that in the beginning, I was like, oh, my God, my clients aren't going to stay with me and et cetera, et cetera. And what has really helped is that, okay, this is my value. This is what I do. I know I'm good at what I do and I give them results. And it's helped me really have no room for bullshit. Like this is what it takes. And everyone had to rise up in ways and good ways of their own. And um, it's actually worked out better than ever. Mm, Such a good conversation to have on the show. I absolutely love it. I know so many people get value from it. So the very last question I ask everybody, I love the different answers to this, but it is this. Why should people be unapologetic about their pursuit of wealth and success? And boy, does this fit you. Mm, because um, hmm, because the pursuit of wealth and success, I believe, and also why I love the book Sacred Success so much, and I'll speak from obviously from a woman's perspective, but it's really tapping into our power and our strength. And what we choose to do with the wealth and the freedom and the money, whether it means more freedom for us or more time for us or that we want to buy that nice house, it's really claiming our power. And we all have genuine desires. You know, I have friends who really love good wine and I have friends who really love to buy property. And that's great, too. And that's really giving yourself the permission to be absolutely like, this is what I love and this is what I'm co-creating, whether it be with the universe or with your own inner power and really stepping into that. And by stepping into all of that, it also allows for all this goodness to flow. And that's where you see all the, um, you know, giving back to organizations and giving back to family and giving back to friends. And I believe that stepping into your power is really also what has you step into your fullest expression, your happiness, the sweetness, and um, stepping into your own inner healing. And that's really what ripples out and serves everyone. That's my thing. Des, I, can, I could literally couldn't agree with you more. I freaking love it. That was the most beautiful bow you could have possibly put on this thing. I can't thank you enough as a busy mom and as a busy entrepreneur taking your time out to share all of this expertise on all these different random directions I took this thing. This is going to be one of those like one size fits all for every single entrepreneur out there. I'm just super grateful. Mm, Thank you so much, Chris. I mean, I am so happy to be here and I felt a great connection when I first met you and Lori and it continues and I loved it. Oh, I love it. That's see, that's the thing about masterminds. Like that's the thing about if you just open these connections, you never know where they're going to take you. Yes. Yes. I'll appreciate you. Thanks for listening. And if you loved this episode and know of someone else who is as successful as they are generous, please pass them on to me. It would mean the world to me if you help me get this cause and this message out to as many listeners as I can. So please, if you liked what you heard, it goes a long way if you take 30 seconds 
and leave me a five-star review and share this with your friends. I'll be forever grateful. And until the next episode, cheers to your success.